So if you have your Bible, open it up with us to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, the ushers. Usher will hand you one. We really recommend that you follow along in a Bible. We recommend that you get a Bible. Yeah. Read it daily. Uh, underline it, mark it, write down things in it that you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to you. These things are important when we feel like God is speaking to us. Yes. Okay, so we're going to begin with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. We're going to go on this verse again. This should be up on the screen um, it says, as each one has received a gift, <clears throat> I'll pause there again and say, how many have received a gift? Each one. each one has received a gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Yes then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. 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 Yes. So we titled this message today, Unwrap and Use Your Gifts. We've been talking about using our gifts, and you know, we've been hanging around this scripture for a while because we do believe that the Lord has had us to pause here um, so that we can all remind ourselves, some of us need to be stirred up about this, that we have spiritual gifts that God's given us with our salvation, and we need to be using them. Amen. Because using our gifts is tied to our purpose and our destiny in life. And so before we begin, let's just pray where you approach the Word of God. Father, we thank you for all the spiritual gifts that you gave us with our mm. salvation. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see as we read the word, as we hear the word taught this morning, that it would stir us up on the inside, that we would have the courage and the faith to step out and use the gifts that you've given us. Lord, I know that's going to help unfold our destiny, the plan and purpose for our life, and ultimately is going to bring you glory. Yes. And so we just thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So uh, we want you all to be unwrapping and using your gifts, unwrapping and using your gifts. And like I said, our gifts are actually tied to our purpose in life. We're never going to understand why we're here on the earth and the meaning of our life if we don't understand that with our salvation, God put gifts on the inside of us. And this is so important because we looked at this uh, the last couple of weeks, and if you've missed the messages the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to go back and listen because these do all tie together. We can't revisit everything that we said last week. Uh, but using your gift, we say, is tied to your purpose because we looked at Ephesians 2 that said, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you are God's workmanship. Like when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, recreates you on the inside. You're born again. And our walk is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so he, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God foreordained for us to do. So he planned for you to do some works as a born-again child of God. And this is important that we understand this and talk about it because it's for your benefit. Don't you want to walk in the will of God for your life? Amen. Amen, yeah. Come and on. using your gifts helps us to do that. And it also helps us to understand the heart of Christ. Because serving others makes us more like Christ. Amen. I mean, Jesus was the greatest servant of all. Amen. And, uh, you know, our purpose, like I said, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so as we begin to use our gifts and serve other people, our gifts aren't for ourselves; They're to serve other people. So the heart of Christ... Uh, is to serve others. That's really the heart of our kingdom. Our kingdom is so opposite of the world, just like what Jason was saying about faithfulness. We want the benefit, but then it's hard for us to make the commitment to be that way for others and to be there even for others. So our kingdom is so opposite of the world because our kingdom is about serving and servanthood. Amen. The world idolizes pushing you to the top. You, know, you want to be the top dog. You want to be first place want to have the recognition, highest in rank. And often our world judges 
people and you even judge your own success in life by how many people, like your greatness, by how many people serve you. Right? I mean, we do see that. I, I was watching something on TV the other day and the news came on and President Biden, uh, it showed him riding a bike. He was riding a bike on the shore of Delaware, the shoreline. Uh, and it caught my eye because I like to ride a bike out at Moraine's bike trail. And I thought, oh, he's riding along on the hard sand, you know, right on the shoreline, the ocean's right there. I thought, what a great place to ride a bike. And then I noticed like about 30 other people all around him, you know, <laughs> people to the right, people to the left, people trailing behind him. And it was like, well, I don't know if that's so cool. Like, I don't think I'd really, really want to be riding a bike with 30 other people in an entourage riding with me. <laughs> you know, and I, then I thought, and then there's the camera. Obviously, I'm watching it, so the nation's watching it. Like, it's not just those 30 people. Like, everybody's eye is on you. Um, and it, then it made me think about what it would be like for a person, let's say like the president, to have everything done for him. I mean, think about it. Every, every day, things are done for him. Like, even the simplicity of a bike ride. Think about what that would have taken to make a bike ride happen for him. Like, there'd be somebody who would have to have, be sure that bike is ready, good mechanical condition, it's all ready to go, it's all working parts, and then there'd be somebody who would have to take that bike and upload it into a certain vehicle for him, you know, be sure that it's stable in the vehicle. Then there's the chauffeur, he would have to be driven, of course, in an armored car to the location on the beach, wherever the starting point was, and then somebody would have to unload that bike and bring it to him, and then he could hop on the bike, and, you know, I thought there should be a med, there probably is a medic around now, because <laughs> the one time he got his foot caught in the pedal and fell off, and so there'd be a medic there. <laughs> then I'm thinking, he's riding along in the sand, and when he's done, you know, somebody would have to get off the bike, but somebody would take that bike and clean it, be sure all the, the salt water's off of it, and take it into storage, and then, then he'd have to be driven back, because this was a vacation, they said. He was on a vacation, so I'm sure. The he's show, always on a vacation. The, show, <laughs> the chauffeur was ready to take him back to his beautiful vacation home right there on the beach, you know, driving him back and open up the car and he walks in and I'm sure there was a chef in some gourmet kitchen in that place that had his lunch yeah. all ready for him to eat. For sure. And I thought to myself, boy, that sure is different than the way my bike ride goes. <laughs> you know, I have, and then I thought, well, I do have one faithful servant here. <laughs> Because when I do, do go on a bike ride, it's like, hey, Steve, I'm going to go out to Moraine. I think I'm going to go on a bike ride. He's like, all right, I'll get the pump and check the tire pressure, see how it is. And we have this portable pump that sits on our front porch and I got this 25-foot orange extension cord. I keep my bike usually in the back of my car. I have a CRV. <laughs> it's just too hard to hitch it and unhitch it because when we live on the street, no garage, you don't want to leave it there overnight. Somebody could steal it. So, and we've got like 25 steps or so to get up to our house. So anyway, yeah. he's, he's down there, you know, down with that extension cord. <coughs> he's pumping up the tires. He would tell you it has to be at 60, right? 60. <laughs> Not 62, 60. Yeah. Who but, knows if it's 60 or 62? Well, you have the pump <clears throat> pressure there. Anyways, I get my bike out to Moraine, and, but now I, I have to finagle that thing out of the lift yeah, gate. Yeah, you're doing it this time. And I've <laughs> learned my lesson a few times. We both have. You know, we used to shove that thing in the car. Just shove it in there. Let that front wheel spin around. Well, if you do that, you learn real quick that you pull the wires out from your front brakes. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't tilt the wheel. So we've got this down to a science. <laughs> so I'm out at Moraine pulling this thing out. Okay, I'm enjoying my ride. You know, I get on and I'm by myself because he's not riding with me at this point. So it's nice. It's peaceful. If you've ever been on that bike path, it's beautiful. Yes. It's like a real treasure that we have right near us. But, you know, I'm thinking about my bike ride this past week. I'm riding along in this hornet. You know, must have, it must have been a hornet, zapped me right on the leg, and it was like this instant needle went into my knee, like, ah! So I'm pedaling along, and my knee is starting to swell, it's itchy, and I'm thinking, I could use a medic right now with me. <laughs> and then a couple days later, when I was on the path, I'm riding along, and there's this huge, what we found out was a black racer snake. 
this big, five feet long, yeah. laying right across the path. It was like, yeah! She's like, I'm thinking, I need some bodyguards, just like he had all his bodyguards, <laughs> you know, around him. But back, you know, the end of the ride, you're finagling that thing back into the car and thinking, I'm hungry on the way home. And it's like, well, I'm passing by Sam's. It's like, I got I just stopped in to get something at Sam's. And then I thought, but guess who's the chef when I get home? It's like, back into the kitchen. I clean up. <laughs> but it just made me stop and think about the life of a person that has so much, so many people, like hired servants, yeah. really working around them serving them all the time. And what that's like, you know, I think it, 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 if you do little serving of others, you can easily lose touch with the commonality of the day and the things that people go through in a day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think like the president, I'm sure he'd say, well, I'm serving the nation, but it's way different <laughs> than what you and I are doing every day to serve. And it's easy, though, for your flesh likes to be the recipient, don't we, sometimes of being served? I mean, we all do like to be served. Mm -hmm. But we, the kingdom of God really is not about being served. It's about serving. It's not yes. about getting. It's about giving. And the world equates. We have to be careful about this. This is why we have a trouble with commitment and faithfulness because the world equates success and greatness. Like the goal is to rise to the top, get enough money, power, and people around you to get what you want. But it's the very opposite of the teachings of Christ. Boy, big time. Which have to do with a servant heart and what we're doing with our life. Are we giving our life away? I sur we sang that song, I surrender all, I give Amen. you everything. And this comes often in the form of even a message like this. It's like, well, now will I give of myself to help serve an another person in the body of Christ? You know, Mark chapter 10 the two disciples came to Jesus and they said to him, grant it that uh, one of us will sit on your right hand and one of us will sit on your left hand. And you know, what was really amazing is that Jesus didn't say, don't think like that. Don't even ask that question. Uh, Jesus told him how to do it. And what did he say? <laughs> He says, okay, I'll tell you how to be great in our kingdom. You've got to be a servant of all. A servant of all. Yeah. The Bible declares that Jesus is building his church. He's building the church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Praise God for that, amen. And so he's, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he's saying... He's building the church. And so the question is, how is Jesus building the church? Well, first of all, he's putting the same heart in his people that he has. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that is servanthood. Yeah. Servanthood. So you open your heart up to Jesus. He's going to teach you how to be a servant. And don't you know that your flesh will scream against that? Like Pastor Mamie says, you know... Everybody likes to be served. Jesus says, again, the upside down king is better to give than receive. Yeah. Yeah. It's better to give than receive. Upside down kingdom. And this is a kingdom that's going to last forever. Yeah. And what we want to do is teach you not to be surprised when you get to that kingdom. But you'll be saying, well, serving. yeah, this is how we serving. live. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is how we live. Yeah. You know, turn to Romans chapter 12. We looked at this before, but I want to, again, it's important for us to understand these things. These are our motivational gifts as declared in the Bible. And Scripture uses the human body as uh, that has many parts but works together so it can illustrate the body of Christ. Yeah. And verse 4, we're going to start off in verse 4, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. And these are kind of like dubbed the motivational gifts. Right. I hear a couple pages turning. We'll wait till we get there. If you're fast on your phone, you're already there. Amen. For as in one physical body we have many parts, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. 
So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, and individually we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another, having gifts, faculties, talents, and qualities that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. He who has the gift of prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. He whose gift is practical service, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches to his teaching. He who exhorts or encourages to his exhortation. He who gives, let him do it with generosity. He who leads, do it with diligence. And he who acts of mercy with cheerful eagerness. Now, these are the seven motivational gifts. They're listed right here. We could take a yeah, look at them. You, you could have those underlined yeah. in your Bible. I think we, I, we, they're up on the screen too, yeah. Well, you know, you still need to put these in your Bible. It's important for you because this is a very important thing for our kingdom to understand these things. Because Pastor Mamie said it just earlier that these gifts, these motivational gifts, have something to do with your destiny. They have something to do with you operating in the kingdom of God. But uh, uh, these motivational gifts are always and uh, many times are accompanied by other qualities, like uh, being able to have, be able to play an instrument. Yeah, other, talents. Know, other talents. Other yeah. talents. Artistically, you're yeah. cooking or cooking. <laughs> I heard cooking. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I think it says right here, baking desserts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it goes back to it's the same Lord who's given us all yeah, these gifts. But I mean, people are good at technology. They're yes. good at engineering, building. I mean, these are all other talents and abilities that God's given us that go with And work together. Yes. yes, they do. Yeah, and For sure. And these, these, these are to be expressed inside the church. You know, as we serve one another, this is, this is the idea of, of Christianity. We serve one another. And the truth is, church isn't a spectator thing. You just yeah. don't come and watch and then that's it. Okay, I'm out of here. You know, this is where we use these grace gifts to serve one another. Yeah. It, it's, look at verse 16. It's funny because after he talks about these motivational gifts, he brings this particular scripture up to our attention it says live in harmony with one another do not be haughty snobbish high-minded exclusive but readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourselves to humble tax tasks never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits now Tell me what the world says. Okay, our kingdom is upside down. There's something very powerful when we serve one another. Yeah, because number one, serving one another changes you. It, yeah. it changes your heart and you give yourself to these humble tasks. And humility is way high in our kingdom. Yeah. It is It is. You can blow your whole life by not being humble. Yeah, yeah. Serving builds that into your mindset. That's yeah. is yeah. so true. And like it says here, don't don't you know? Give yourself to humble tasks. You you want to make sure that this humility is working in you. Give yourself over to humble tasks. Too many people in the world say, "Well, I'll never do that." Well, no. Our kingdom says, "I'll volunteer to do that." Can I hear an amen? amen? Yeah. Yeah. So serving changes you. Uh, serving changes others because they get to be the recipient of God's love. Amen? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and truly, serving changes the life of the church. Yeah. It changes the life of the church. Yeah. And we have to be willing to use our gifts to serve one another. And I, I honestly believe that serving is a, a true strength of a church. Think about it. 
the strength of a church is not in the numbers. It's not in their finances. God sees the strength of a church in how we serve one another. It's important. You know why? Because that is the heart of Jesus moving among us. It really is. And I believe that serving is a primary unifying factor. We're all willing to put our hand to the plow, all willing to do something. Doesn't that unify you when you have a task that you're all joined together to do? Yeah. 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 And really, serving helps us to accomplish the mission of this church. Yeah. To, to help people know God, uh, find God's purpose for their life, and truly experience real life. It's not really, it's not really our mission. It's not the church's mission. It's Jesus' right. mission. Yeah. I mean, doesn't he want people to know God? Absolutely he does. Yeah. And this is how the church grows. People think that the fastest growing churches in the United States, and they, they count numbers. I think Jesus counts something else. I think he looks for humility. I think he looks at how many people are serving in your church. That's a powerful church. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> so God has put these grace gifts inside of each one of us. Yeah. And they're, like, I like how you said it. They're meant to be unwrapped. Well, we talked about that, the nesting box, like a gift box. Yes, it starts with salvation, but inside there are all these other gifts that we've been given in Christ. And one of those, when we've been given righteousness, eternal life, mm -hmm. we went through those some weeks ago. But spiritual gifts, like this motivational gifts, are part of the f things that have been freely given by grace. They call them grace gifts. Yeah, we did man. not deserve these things, but God gave them freely to us. And they're meant, again, to be used for his purpose. Like sometimes I, you look out at Hollywood and you look out at these bands that are big and famous, musicians, all this skill and ability, ability to sing. And I think, you know, I wonder what if that would happen if that person would have used that gift mm. and talent for God. It's like, wow. He mentioned like the Beatles. It was like, oh. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, people that have... These gifts, and they come from God. These yeah, abilities and talents right. have been, they came from the Lord. And they really are meant to be used to glorify him, to point people to him. Right. But, you know, people use their talent and gifting, and they get fame and fortune from it, and they use it for themselves. Yeah. See, it's all about getting then. And they put on a concert and say, no, I'm giving. But it's like, yeah, but you got a whole lot of cash and glory. <laughs> <laughs> they came to you. Your face was up in lights. And just all the things that come with that whole Hollywood eyes, fame and fortune. Sure, yeah. And so I think to myself, like, how important is it for the church to recognize, wait, every single person in here has been gifted with a spiritual gift. And how important is it that we put our hand to the plow and begin to Amen. use it? Just start right where something, a need is in front of you. Because sometimes we're looking, some people are looking to take a big first step. Well, I, I want to, you know, lead something huge. It's like, well, start with a humble task. And then God can direct more easily a moving vehicle. There you you go. know, one that yes. is just willing. But we need to be aware of our gifts and not bury them. Uh, you know, Jason mentioned that in the hosting today, and there's a whole parable about that. It did not go well for the person who was given a talent, which was equal to like a gift, something to steward and invest in this life. And when Jesus came back, he had nothing to show for it. That did not go well with that person. So God, this is, we put this on the screen. God doesn't give you grace, like these talents and abilities and gifts to be all you want to be. But he gives you the grace to be all he wants you to be. Okay. This that's, is important. That's major. He doesn't give you grace to be all you want to be because this is what ends up happening. We end up with these, some of these just God-given abilities from birth, and we begin to use them for ourselves. He gives you that grace to be all he wants you to be. Amen. I remember when I discovered Ephesians uh, 2.10 that were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he planned beforehand 
that we should walk in. And I thought, I never lived my life that way. I just, you, you just grow up, you go to school, went to college, became a nurse. It's like you, you have your house, you raise your kids, you do your vacations, you just do what most people do in the cycle of life. It was like, what? The Lord had a plan for my life? And, and certain works right. that he called me to do, I mean, this was never something that we thought we were called to do. Oh, this was sure. part of, we explained some of that last week, to open that door. You have to ask the Lord, well, am I doing what you called me to do? Am I using my gift for your glory? It's, these are important questions They're to ask vital. because he foreordained. That's that verse in Ephesians 2.10 said, they were foreordained. So from the foundation of the world, he knew. He, he wired you a certain way, gifted you a certain way, knew where you would live, knew the day and time you'd, you'd come into the earth. Yep. Even knew the church that you should be, you know, set yourself in, plant yep. yourself in, so mm -hmm. that these things can flourish and grow. Amen. It's so important that we understand that your destiny is tied to this. Yeah. Because sometimes we're, people will ask, well, God, I want to know your will for my life. What's your will for my life? But see, discovering God's will is tied to these gifts, the way you're wired, and the motivation to use them for your, his glory. Yes. See, because we could ask God, I want your will, I want your will, but then you end up having the, you want the grace to be all I want to be. I want to use this. There's a fine line there. Come on. And you know, so this is just important that we know that when we, op when we begin to use our gifts, we are opening up the door, the pathway for God to show us purpose. This is, this is part of our mission statement. Know yes. God, find purpose. This is the way we find purpose. Yes. By using our gifts. And then it's tied really to your destiny and the path he has for it you. It is true. You know, and the key is, as Pastor Mamie just made mention of it, God knew us before we were formed in, in the womb. He knew the grace gifts that he was going to place within you. And Apostle Paul talks about this, his calling in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Yeah, this is good. He says, this is, I mean, this isn't the only place it's stated in the Bible. Jeremiah is talked about in Jeremiah. Yeah, Isaiah. There's, there's, several, there's yeah. many places. But this is, you've got to understand that God himself knew you before you were formed in the womb. And he placed these grace gifts within you. And this is Paul speaking about himself here. But when he who had chosen me set me apart, even before I was born, and had called me by his grace, saw fit, and was pleased to reveal and unveil and disclose his son within me, so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. God appointed, gifted Paul to be an apostle. And, and that ap apostolic gift was totally tied to his purpose of life. Yeah, and the works he would do. Yes. Yeah. And, it, you know, Paul's yielding over. That took some doing, let's face it. <laughs> but yeah. after he yielded over to it, you know, he fulfilled his destiny. And this was a five-fold ministry gift. It's different from the motivational gifts. This is a five-fold ministry gift. This is an actual calling of God. And an apostolic gift is to uh, preach the gospel, of course, but start churches in uh, an undeveloped area where there is no real churches there. Uh, these, these giftings aren't tied to your destiny so that you do your own thing. It was all with the purpose of glorifying God, building the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to turn to, let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I want to take a look at these. These. I'm going to start in verse 7. Yeah, this is not, this won't be on the PowerPoint. This isn't yeah. on the PowerPoint, but it's in your Bible. Yes, it is in your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 7. However, he has given each of us a special grace gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led, cap, uh, the, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Uh, notice he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world to the lower parts of the earth. 
And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now take a look at verse 11. This is on PowerPoint. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This is why we want to explain about, and this is why we're, we might even go another week on this, explain the spiritual gifts, the reality of them. As pastors, our call is to help equip you to, first of all, help you discover your gifts, and then to give you an opportunity to use your gifts, to utilize those gifts. And what is it for? It's to build up the church, the local church. Yeah. It's for you to do the work of the ministry. I think the American church way early on was if you, if you weren't called as a five-fold ministry, then you had nothing to do with it. You came Sunday and you left. But that's totally unscriptural. You know, the, yeah, the, grace, verse 12, yeah. Yeah, the grace gift given to a, a pastor is to help you discover your gift so that you could do the work of the ministry. And it's, it's important. The apostle, now an apostle gift, it's a, these are five-fold ministry calls. This is God's calling you. And uh, a, a five-fold ministry called an apostle would be one who goes out and starts churches. This is an individual who is well-versed in the scriptures, and he is uh, preaching the gospel. There are signs and wonders in his ministry. There are miracles happening in his ministry. And again, Paul, back in that day, he said there's false apostles that are out there. And just as those are false pastors, false teachers, false prophets. Uh, you know that the devil wants to do anything he can to stop the, the movement of God and, and people coming into the kingdom. And these people are really pretty much exploit the, the sheep for money. And, and power, uh, game, trying to be, again, the first place, trying to be the top dog, trying to be the one who is uh, being served rather than serving. Uh, I saw this uh, pretty pathetic uh, little clip that was on, that was brought to our attention that uh, this pastor was berating his congregation because they didn't give him one of these uh, designer watches. No, he, he lamblasted them. He apparently he had said, told his congregation in, at Christmas he wanted to have some kind of sp special watch. You know, like I love my watch. watch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, it was horrible. He went on and on and on and on. And then, of course, after it went on YouTube and everybody watched it, you know, then all of a sudden he was repentant. Yes, yeah, so no, it's, it's like, it's actually pathetic. But there are apostles there are in the body apostles. of Christ today. I mean, we have supported in the past Christopher Alam. Some of you may know him. I think of him as an apostle. But there, those are people that are called to preach mm -hmm. and establish churches and oversee churches. And like you said, they have yeah. signs and wonders, uh, miracles operating in their ministry to help them establish churches often in undeveloped places yes and then another of the fivefold ministry uh, office is the is a prophet and the new testament prophet is different than an old testament prophet if you've been reading through the chronological with us we're reading a lot of prophetic voices back there and you know the prophet was anointed to hear the word of god and the one who was the mouthpiece for God. And so people went to the prophet in the Old Testament to hear what God was saying, to get direction yeah. for you know, how to go to war and all these kinds of things. But in the New Testament, uh, we have the written word of God. Right. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. Every believer does. So we don't really seek, a, although there are prophetic gifts. I believe yes. there are. It's a little rare in the body of Christ 
to have a prophet, but there are people anointed to be prophets. But we don't seek out a prophet like you do a fortune teller. Tell me my future. <laughs> we go to the word of God to hear the will of the Lord. We can mm -hmm. do that for ourselves. And so, but a New Testament prophet uh, would have similar kinds of things, especially a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. Yes. Like having direct understanding about some specific things that are about to happen. They foretell some things, but it's always in line with the word of God. It always matches the word of God. But they may say, what, here's, here's a prophecy about what God is doing. Some of them spoke out with, with COVID, that yep. God was using the pandemic to refine the church. And they, would give, they gave prophetic uh, messages that way, which I believe were accurate. Yes. Uh, but so a New Testament prophet's uh, anointing is, is to foretell. It's predictive. But again, it's not so much used one-on-one, -on -one, like a personal way to speak to a person. Usually their voice is in an office speaking yeah. to the body of Christ mm -hmm. about what is happening in the body of Christ. And there are still prophets. I thought about Jonathan Kahn, who wrote the, the Harbinger book, if anybody has read that. I would recommend you read that, yeah. but I would say he just came to mind as somebody who definitely, I believe, stands in the office of a prophet today. And then you have the evangelist. Most of us understand the evangelistic anointing. Mm -hmm. This is a person who's gifted to preach, and there's an anointing on the preaching of salvation to just gather souls. Yeah. This person wins souls anointed to do that. You think of Billy Graham and you think evangelist, or you think of Reinhard Bonnke and you think yes. anointed to be an evangelist to the world, or Louis Palau. I mean, we're all called to do evangelism. We're all gifted. Correct. This is where we can't just say, well, I don't have that gift. Well, we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. Amen. We should all be sharing our faith. But you can tell when someone stands in the office of an evangelist. They get up and preach and Souls are saved. Yeah. <laughs> People are coming to the altar when that happens. Um, and, I think, and then the other ones, uh, a pastor and teacher, sometimes these are lumped together. When you research some of this uh, online, you might see people will say, well, pastor-teacher is one gift, and there are four of them. Mm. I think there are teachers in the body of Christ who aren't pastors. I think of people like uh, Beth, Joyce Meyer Beth Moore. or... Uh, John Bevere, a teacher. He's not a pastor, but definitely a teacher to the body of Christ. Andrew Womack, Vadi Bauckham, yeah, yeah, Francis Chan. So there are people who maybe did pastoring, and then they step out, and God has them solely to teach. And they're teaching not in small settings. Their teachings are influential pretty yes. much in books and going around the world. Yeah, and then um, there's the pastoral gift, and that's, there's, that's the largest gift of the fivefold ministry call. Uh, because there are so many different churches and locations all over the world, and that is a shepherd. He, he the, uh, a pastor is a shepherd who lives with the sheep. He guides and feeds the sheep. He protects the flock. It, it's instruction in the Word of God. You rightly divide the Word of God. You you correct. You warn. You encourage. You build up. Uh, you, you warn the sheep if they're going in the wrong direction, you try to pull them back. Uh, it, these are five-fold ministry calls that God puts on, and it's, it's actually a call. You don't just get a bunch of business cards up and say, I'm, I'm prophet so-and-so, and it, I'm, I'm this and that. You, this, well, God the, takes these things very yeah, seriously. And it's the head of the church who does all the distributing through the Holy Spirit. Right. Of these gifts. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jesus is the head of the church. He's the one giving grace gifts. He gave gifts unto men. And so they're coming from him under his, under his authority even. They come with yeah. great responsibility. That is for yeah. sure. Uh, because there's going to be a higher and more strict uh, judgment upon uh, the fivefold ministry call than anybody else. It, it's Im important to understand that they have to their life example has to really line up with scripture like just like what paul said paul said follow me as i follow christ and this yeah. is really important and we see the body of christ now that is just marred with scandal after scandal after scandal and 
I, I just hate to be those individuals. Yes, there's always forgiveness, but you've got to understand, you know, it seems like the, the leadership in the body of Christ lean more toward the, the one who did the abusing than the abused instead of, oh, there's forgiveness in, we'll restore them. Well, let's, let's put our focus on the one who was abused. But you don't really hear that too many times. Uh, you know, it's, it's important for us to understand that there is a greater judgment, a stricter judgment upon the fivefold ministry call. Yeah. And you have to rightly divide the word of God. Uh, again, once again, you got to stand before Christ, and it's and He's gonna. Yeah. It's you. you yeah. It's not gonna just be. Oh, well, I had this blog, and you know, I I'm I'm got this going. You know, I, well, people I, write books. They books. have website. You have YouTube channels. Yeah. Everybody. It's easy to just have your own ministry, and not come under any authority in doing right. it. It's dangerous. It can be dangerous because the Book of James does say, "Not mm -hmm. many of you should be teachers." Because you will come under a stricter judgment. And so we need to take these things seriously. We take it seriously. Oh, yes. <laughs> thinking, I want to be sure that what I'm teaching uh, lines up with the Word of God. And it's the full counsel of God. Thank you. I think that's the other thing. We need to be sure that we're hearing the full counsel of God. There was a prophetic message that went out when COVID came out. And I, I think you're talking about scandals in the church. And one of those prophetic voices did say at the beginning, that yes. there were going to be many, many mouths in the body of Christ that were going to come down, that God was going to expose things that have been hidden that need to be exposed. And when you, you don't like to see this happen. No, you don't. But it was for the purpose, he said, that God was going to use it all to refine the church. The motivation for serving, is it for, you know, building up my own ministry and building up my, the, the money side of things, the fame side of things, versus the humility side. Yeah. And so as, as the couple years went by, well, you do see this. I'm oh. thinking that, that prophetic message was true. My goodness, and I'm God getting is so many of church. those. Uh, yeah. And it's but, sexual sin. It's, it's financial sin. It's just... You're finding out lying is just like, a, it's like the politics these days. They don't care if they get caught in a lie. They just bring another lie up. It's pretty sad. Yeah. And you've got to understand that when a, a, a minister of the gospel falls, there was statistics that said there's going to be one-third of that church will not return to church at all. And let's face it, it's just like giving Jesus another black eye. And people of the world will say, I don't need that. Yeah. I have problems of my own. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, verse 12. Let's take a look at verse 12. You know, it says, again, our responsibility, a fivefold ministry call, the fivefold ministry gifts, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We do every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we bring a message to help build you up, to help you understand who you are in Christ and not take it to an extreme where then, you know, you, you don't uh, humble yourself enough to, to serve one another. And, yeah, we are the righteousness of God, but you know what? You, you put that righteousness uh, uh, and you cover it with a cloak of humility. And can I get an amen there? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's our responsibility to help you discover your gift and put it into practice yeah. to use it because it has, it's tied to your destiny. It's yeah. tied to your eternal reward. Yeah. Pastor Mamie talked about that parable of the talents. He buried his talent and it did not go well with him. Yeah. Cast him out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you might think that your gift is small. It's a talent, ladies and gentlemen. It's a talent. A talent. Do you know what a talent is? It's a measure of weight. It's 80 pounds. So if you got a measure, if you got one talent of gold, that's 80 pounds of gold. And that guy buried it. Don't do that. Use your gift. 
and we have opportunity for that. Did you, when, you, when you came in, did you get a little piece of paper, serve like Jesus? Did everybody get one of those? I, does somebody hand me one? Do you have one, Jason, or anybody? No one has one? Yeah. <laughs> Someone, let me just grab that. I'll get one. Thanks, D. I'll give it back to you, D. <laughs> but we do have opportunity here at the church to use your gifts. You know, sometimes you could come in on a Sunday morning and you just don't really understand just for a Sunday what it takes to have a Sunday. I mean, just driving up, thank, thank you, Lord, that the grass isn't three feet high, right? So we have people nicely cutting the grass. <laughs> Looks like a golf course out there, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, so, and in the wintertime, you know, things are plowed. The, the snow has to be swept and plowed. Somebody cleaned the floors. Yes. Somebody wiped off the tables. Somebody made some coffee to have it ready. Somebody put lights up. Somebody opened up the yeah, building, <laughs> flicked the air on or the heat on in the wintertime, right? Somebody's over there in mile one getting the kids' rooms ready or even had to prepare the, the night before to get the children's class teaching ready. Yeah. And somebody was greeting at the door to make you feel welcome. Hey, hi, come on in. Yeah. So sometimes we just think, well, you come in and sit down and you hear, you hear great worship. You hear the message and you think that was good and you walk out. But I want you to think about all the other parts of faithful people yes. that had to put their hand to something to make that happen. And that's really what the church is about. The church is about everybody coming together. Why are we doing this? Well, we do want people to know God. Some of you, many of you maybe actually gave your life to Christ through this church. Mm -hmm. And so everybody who did something that day, whether it was greeting or you had cleaned the floor during the week or you made some coffee, you all have a part in that reward. Amen. I mean, these are the things that the Lord will reward us on on that day. Did you serve me? And, and my purpose, he's building his church. He wants to see people get saved. He wants people to be discipled. He wants them to use their gift. But it takes a group of people together to see that bigger picture and go, oh, so did he call you to this church? This is important. We said uh, uh, last week or so, like, choose your church like your life depends upon it. Right? There used to be a big billboard, choose your hospital like your life depends upon it. And I remember at the time I thought, your church is yep. actually... The most important, because what you get taught in church and then what you do with your life has everything to do with whether you're going to understand when you stand before Jesus right. what the whole point was, why we were here. And so this little paper is just important. I would encourage you, uh, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, where can I just do something? Do we have needs in probably every single one of these? We could mm -hmm. say, yeah, we could use a person there. We could use a person there. And if we didn't list it, we have other. So if you have something else that you think, well, that's not on here. Well, you're not forgotten. You could, you could write it in yourself. And we have we, people that are volunteering in three different areas because we need help. Yeah. You know, it's, it's important. It takes faith to get the bigger yeah. picture of what a church does. And, yeah. and how things get accomplished in it. I mean, Peter had talked about we're like living stones in these previous chapters, building up into a holy temple for God, right? Paul talks about the same thing. So we, you know, they use analogies in Scripture of a body, all the yeah. working body parts Come on. to do something. Or like a temple, holy temple coming together. Each stone is part of the building that's important into a holy temple for God. We've been praying that our church has a revelation of this. Yes. Because we do need a revelation of this. It's so important as Jesus, you know, we approach his soon return that we are unified around this. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely believe that it will open up your mind and heart to flourish with God when you realize I'm doing something that yes. is connected with a good work that God had planned for me from the foundation of the world. So let's, um, let's just bow our heads, look at this little piece of paper, pray and ask the Holy Spirit. We want to be serving like you, Jesus. You are the yes. greatest servant of all. And I think about you, Jesus, at the Last Supper. You put a towel over your arm. 
and you went and washed the disciples' feet, even knowing that some of the, the Judas would betray you and that Peter would deny you. And, yes. And yet you did that. You did that to model what our giving up our life is meant to be like. And so these things are, these, these things on this paper are pretty easy, really, in comparison to humbling ourselves that low, <laughs> washing somebody's feet. And so help us, Lord. I pray you would help each one of us in here. We want us to be servants like you. You've gifted us from the foundation of the world. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring that out. Reveal, Lord, to the people their gifting. And I pray, the Lord, that each one would humbly accept in obedience. Fill yes. it out. You could drop it in um, the offering box there in the back. Somebody, Amanda Ogle, will likely be in touch with you. We want to live, Lord, for your glory. You know, to discover your, your destiny, the purpose why you were created, and why you're alive. You, the bottom line, it comes to knowing Christ, knowing Jesus. You can't make the leap from just where you are to finding your destiny because Jesus is your life. He's, he's, he's known you before the foundation of the world. And it would be his joy that you recognize your spiritual condition. And it would be your joy to recognize your spiritual condition where you can bow your knee to him. That you come to him. Ask him for the forgiveness of your sins. That you want him who created all things to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be the guide of your life. The one who reveals what true life is. The Holy Spirit is wooing everybody. Because it's not His will that any perish, but all to come to repentance and the knowledge of yes. Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're on the outside looking in. But He's opened the door for you to join, to be a partaker of His life. If you're here today and you, you want to take Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, your King, your Master, the one who can forgive you of your sins, the one who has saved you, the one who is sharing His life with you, that resurrection life, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it. You can slide it right back down. We'll pray. Right here, right now, and in this building, your eternity will change. Anyone at all. 